0: Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Awesome. Yeah,
1: thank you. That was a cool like, wow, introduction there. It's awesome. <laughs> so good. Yeah, there was the mum and dad banter for many years, and now dad's gone, so I became dad. <laughs> and Jared did start the mum and dad banter as well. So it's all good. I've just... We've still got a mum. Yeah, that's right. Oh, she's... Wow. <laughs> Oh, so good. Hey, wonderful to have everyone here at church uh, with us today. We've just got such a, a hope and an expectation that God is going to meet everyone here this morning, you know, that every week when we join together, you know, the Bible says to not forsake the gathering together of believers, and there's a reason why, you know, and then Ephesians, it says, so together with all the saints, we would uh, grasp the height and the width and the depths of the love of God, and there's something that he reveals to us in his nature, you know, that when we're together, that we can't have alone, and so this morning, you know, it's our prayer to you that you would really be impacted by the grace of Jesus Christ like this is what it's all about i know we have, we have an amazing band and we have video notices and things that don't work and we look really slick sometimes but at the end of the day like christ jesus is the cornerstone of this church he is the why that we want to do everything that we are established in his love and that is the foundation uh, for anything and any uh, anything that happens in church here we hope that that we're launching from a platform of love Believing that Christ is going to impact someone, or something, or some people, you know, through whatever we do. So let's just pray this morning before I just open the Word of God. Yeah, Lord, we just we give you thanks today for your for your relentless love for our lives. We just thank you, Father, that your grace empowers us, changes us, Lord. You wash us with your grace, Lord. And I just pray for anyone here today who's just feeling like I just, I'm on the outside. I'm on the outside of God's grace. I'm looking in and I'm wondering if I can taste uh, like some of this grace. And, and I, just, I just pray, Lord, today that, that whoever's here this morning would just fall into a relationship with you in your awesome name. Amen. All right. So I'm just going to get straight into this. Uh, my, my message today is called um, Falling into Grace. Yes, it is. Falling into grace. <laughs> I just haven't got that written in my notes. Awkward. And so from Jude, um, I'm just going to read this. This is from the New Testament too. Jude 1, uh, moves during services. Um Jude one twenty four. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. Isn't that awesome? It'd be even better if the PowerPoint was up there, but that's okay. (laughs) I still remember the first dream I had that I fell in. Does anyone has anyone ever had a dream where you're falling and this horrible feeling happens? And you, you know, even if you just, I've stepped off a curb in a dream and I've had that sensation I'm falling and I'll kick Debbie in my sleep because it's such a like, ah, you know, like I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna die. And you're in your dream and you're in your moment. And it's just this awful sensation. Has anyone ever had that, or is that just me? Yeah, I remember I was five years old, and I was into dinosaurs at this time. I cut out dinosaurs. I had a dinosaur set. I just loved dinosaurs. And uh, my dream was I was in Blenheim at the time, and I was basically running down the road, and like Tyrannosaurus Rex was behind me. There was a stegosaurus, it was a pterodactyl flying. And I was terrified. And it was so real. And I remember getting to the Opawa Bridge, that weird bridge that, as you go to Blenheim to Picton, anyway, you lived down the road from that. And I remember in my dream as a five-year-old jumping off this bridge and falling into the water. And it, was such, it made such an impact on my life. I have never forgotten that dream because it was the first time I had that horrible sensation of falling. Um, you know, unless you're a skydiver, we usually, we hate that feeling of falling, um, especially when it's unexpected or even expected. Like, has anyone been to the giant drop in, uh, in Dream World, you know? And um, I, I went on that ride with Dad, as in Chris. And we got halfway up. And I just want to tell you, everyone, that he turned into mum. And I really put on the dad hat. And I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. And, and he got through it all. But anyway, I remember sitting at the top of that ride, just having this overwhelming fear of like, what is it? I hate falling. This is a terrible, terrible feeling. And I'm about to just like willingly go ahead with this, other than actually at the bottom, my wife and Chris were just like wrestling me onto the seat. But we hate falling, unless, of course, we are falling in love. Where, you know, I like falling, well, I liked falling in love. (laughs) Careful. (laughs) But what is it about? Yeah, let's just move on. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, with the same person over every morning, I wake up and it's like I've seen her for the first time. And anyway, so what is it about that feeling of falling that we absolutely hate? And I think the root of it is, is that it's that loss of control. It's that abandonment to gravity and the fear of what's at the bottom. What is waiting for us at the bottom? Is it death? Is, it, is, it, uh, is, is someone going to catch us? What, what is it about our fall that is so terrifying? And in Isaiah 40 verse 31 it says this, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. There's an awesome quote um, that Amy Steele posted on Facebook last week, um, attached to, I did this painting here during church, and she posted this um, next to the photo that she um, took of it, it, and it says, When God pushes you to the edge, trust Him fully, because only two things can happen. Either He will catch you when you fall or He will teach you how to fly. Isn't that awesome? See, I believe that God wants to redefine some falls here today. And you could be in a season of your life when you're just like, I feel like life's got me and I'm I'm free falling in my moment. I don't know who's going to catch me. I I do not feel connected to hope in any kind of way. But I want to tell you that this is a great morning for you to hope in the Lord. Because it says here, as, as we hope in the Lord that we will soar on wings like eagles. And he wants to redefine your fall into a place where he wants to bring you elevation to your life. Where he will redefine who you are and where you are going. Or else today, maybe you're here and you just want to be caught by the Father. You just want to know his loving arms and that he is a safe person to fall into. And he is there for you this morning. So um, this morning, as we all know, we've got Nick Rovitz who's going to be sharing with us. So I just want to invite Nick up. And since we're into clapping so much this morning, let's just clap for Nick again. This is awesome. Nick is such an amazing young man and he has been a part of Thrive now for like, I don't know, 15 odd years. Um, he went through youth ministry here and... Um, Roger Greening is his grandfather, and we just want to, yeah, we're just going to be blessed this morning and challenged. So thanks so much, Nick.
0: All right, man. Yeah. Um, Everyone just close their eyes. I'm just going to have a prayer. Lord God, I just pray that you guide my tongue this morning, Father. I just pray that spiritual ears will be open and hearts will be softened, Lord God. And I just pray that the essence of this testimony will capture people's lives, Lord God. Amen. Well, guys, I'm basically up here this morning to share what God's been putting on my heart and been doing in my life for the last five months. I guess you could say I come from a bit of an unstable family where there wasn't really a lot of happiness or love. Dad left when I was five. There was a struggle of an abusive stepdad after that which kind of led to my mother leaving when I was about 13, 14. It didn't really hit me at first, but it was pretty painful. I got a lot of self-worth and love from my mum, so I was left feeling quite void and empty after that. I then struggled with not letting anybody else close to me, afraid I might lose someone else. As I got older, I started bouncing in and out of church, not really finding my feet. When I was in church, I was still only searching for love and self-worth through people. Like I knew God was there, I just didn't quite know how to put my heart in his hands. At a point when I felt totally void, when nobody could fill this huge hole that I had, I left church to go numb and drown out my emotions with alcohol. To get to a point where I didn't have to think or feel anything. Being around that party life was okay for a while, but once the temporary fulfillment of social acceptance started wearing off, and as my heart once again started beginning to feel empty, the lonely boy in me started crying out, and I just knew I needed God back in my life. But I wanted it to be the real thing if I did. If I was to go back, I was to make him my life, make him my rock, make him my anchor to live like him, and to be like him. So I thought, stuff this, I'm just going to make a prayer. If something happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it won't. It went something along the lines of, God, come into my heart, come into my life. Flip it upside down and wreck it for your love. Make yourself real to me. I went to sleep unexpected, and I had the realest God dream of my life. It consisted of serving, showing love, seeing signs and miracles, being in this full relationship with God, and at the end of it, standing up on this conference, looking upon thousands of people with their hands raised in the air, giving their hearts to Jesus. Getting caught up in the emotion, I look across the other side of the stage, and walking towards me was Jared Van Berkel, and he was also crying. He walked over to me and handed what looked like a letter. I woke up in my bed. It's pitch black, but I could still feel my face saturated from the tears and my heart still pounding. Still so confused to what the letter had meant, I turned on my lamp. There perfectly placed on top of my Bible was a sealed white envelope. In disbelief, I opened it up. Inside was a bit of paper. The words of love, prophecy, Bible verses scribbled on the back from the day I got baptised. I just dropped down and the word of works started switching back on. I instantly knew God had answered my prayer and that this was it. This is real now. God's first instruction for me was to get into an environment that would start preparing, growing and thriving me. That looked like moving into a Christian household, spending time with him every day, worshipping him, reading his word, and downloading podcasts. I even downloaded the last 12 months from Thrive Church and listened to it, and it was so good. I've also been putting myself around solid Christians and going to church. It was from that solid foundation that my faith started to grow. And God's love just started to infiltrate my life. Todd White gave me a different view of Christianity and that is based of understanding your identity as a son or a daughter and seeking first the kingdom of God. So I started that every day. I would begin praying something like, God, give me the courage and the boldness today to step out in faith and an opportunity to take a risk, to show your love. And so he just opened the door for that. Me and Richard, he's over there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> we teed up together. He's on a similar journey to me. So we just pray hardcore together, pushing each other to the edge and do crazy, crazy things like driving around Rangura, anointing it with oil, praying for people, praying and worshipping over the skate park and over the high school for hours. It's just been like iron sharpening iron. Now when I know I'm going to be around people I just pray for the Holy Spirit to guide my tongue and to do all the talking which has led me to talking about God to a lot of people. I've even started speaking up at work about it praying for them even seeing healing happen which is so awesome. The other weekend I was at Winnebago's and I was sharing my testimony with whoever I met and I was just seeing hearts get wrecked for the love of God. The next thing was basically asking for God to save the people closest to my heart. Without even striving, I've just been seeing God save person after person. And your heart starts becoming so raw from the tears being shed over family members and close friends getting wrecked by God. Some of you guys have even made it here today, and I love you guys so much. The more I started seeking God, reading his word, listening to other spirit-filled Christians like Todd White and Glenn, put that in there again, I learned more about dying to yourself completely and living for Jesus, picking up different ways and forms of bringing the kingdom, which I think should be considered part of a normal Christian walk. And that resonates in me and that burns in my heart. The last thing I wanted to share with you guys is a testimony from a couple weeks ago. I haven't told a lot of people this, but everyone in the first service would have heard it. Um, Me and Richard went to a prophetic night, and we got some life-changing words spoken over us. Walking out on a real high, we were contemplating going to the local pub and witnessing to people. Just before we made a move, I noticed what looked like somebody trying to break in the car next to us. But having a closer look, he was just too drunk to put his key in the keyhole. Instantly, we asked him to jump in. He was hesitant at first, but after a bit of persuasion, he got in, and we took off. Not long into it, he clicked. He leaned forward. He looked at both of us in amazement and said, Two young boys stopping a 50-year-old man like me from driving home drunk Now I've seen it all. I fight him straight back with, it's Jesus, man. We do it for the love of Jesus. It basically got to a point where he was saying, yeah, I did used to know Jesus. I did used to know him. But I'm not with him anymore. So we said, what's up, man? What's going on? He loves you so, so much. He said he comes from a family of Christians. He said, I live in England for a long time and even started up a 24-7 homeless shelter that feeds and clothes people. But I had to go home because one of my sisters was sick. He got back home and both of his sisters ended up passing away. And it wrecked him so bad that he lost all hope in God. At this point in time, my heart was breaking. He said he's been crying out to God for weeks for just any sign. Then he goes, You two boys are it. It was such an overwhelming overwhelming feeling, without a doubt a God moment. We asked if we could pray for him at first. And he was like, No, no, no. Then he said, Just make it a quick one. So Richie started praying a really heartfelt prayer. And I prayed over him as well, with love. And even started breaking stuff off his life. He then disconnected from us, looked up, his face just streaming with tears, and he started praying out to God with everything in him. It was so unreal. His name's Brian. We still keep in touch. His niece died last week. So I was sending my thoughts and prayers, and this was his reply. No problem, Nick. God is at work in mine and lots of people's lives through the loss of my niece. And I can't wait to get back. We have such an awesome God. Much love in Christ, brother, Brian. My message basically outlines, learn how Christ loves, then we can learn how to love like Christ. That's that.
1: Amen. So proud bro. It was amazing. Yeah. Come on. And Richard, yeah, good on you, mate. You guys are going to be a formidable force and are uh, just like revealing what love looks like on this planet. And our world needs people who will be prepared to shine, who, be, who will actually step up and just go, you know, I am... I'm going to do this, and I'm just—I'm so excited for where we're at as a church, and there's guys like this who are leading the way uh, that—that can make us go. Come on, we can—we can all do this. And I just—I so believe that so many of us are in a in a really in in a season where we're about to step into something new. You know that that we've been through some stuff, and we're on the edge. And I believe that God is calling us as a church to be first followers of you know what these guys are up to. So we want to honor you for just being so raw, so real with your faith and getting love uh, out beyond these walls. You know, Jesus was the, uh, uh, you know, he was an incredible example of, uh, of what love looked like. He came, he is love. He didn't just have love, but everything that he did was because of love. And he wrote, rewrote the rules on what religion looked like especially back in those uh, days. So in John 8, uh, we just want to read from the Passion Translation this morning. It says this, that Jesus walked up the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night Then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts again, and soon all the people gathered around to listen to His words. So He sat down and He taught them. Then in the middle of His teaching, the religious scholars and the separated ones broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone. Then they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death a woman like this? Tell us, what do you say that we should do with her? They were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap Him with His own words and accuse Him of breaking the laws of Moses. But Jesus didn't answer him. them. Instead, He simply bent down and wrote in the dust with His finger Angry, they kept insisting that He answer their questions. So Jesus stood up and He said to them, let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. And then He bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. Upon hearing that, Her accusers slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, with a convicted conscience until finally Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go and from now on be free from a life of sin. Isn't that awesome? You know, Jesus right there just setting someone free in a moment when it looked like all hope was lost, like this was the beginning of an end for someone, and and to be brought in front of Jesus, and then to be liberated in that moment. And and if we look into what Jesus was writing, we can't actually uh, understand what he was writing. uh, Commentators say that the, the content of what Jesus wrote was not so important. Because the outcome, the outcome of this moment, um, we need to look into the symbolism of Jesus' posture and the action that he took. And so teaching by action and by gesture uh, has always been especially common in the East. And, and of the many interpretations that may be given of what Jesus wrote in the sand that day, that his body language spoke of snubbing the religious leaders the commentators say that writing in the sand was a common method of showing intentional disregard and that Jesus was dis, de, um, depreciating the status of judge that they wanted to impose on him. They wanted to put that on him and say, Jesus, if, you're saying, if, you, if you say who you are, then you, you need to judge this woman. But Jesus said, that's not who I am. That's not what I've come to do. And in John 12, verse 47, it says this, that uh, he says that I will not judge those who uh, hear me but don't obey me. That's pretty amazing. You know, I'm not gonna, if, if, if you're hearing Jesus and, and, and you haven't obeyed Jesus, he's saying, oh, I'm not going to judge you. For I've come to save the world and not to judge it. He's come to bring salvation to our lives, not judgment to our lives. In John 8, verse 15, you judge by human standards, but I pass judgment on no one. It's incredible, eh? Jesus came not as our judge, but as our saviour. He came at that, and, and met us at that point of intercession when we were guilty as but then said, I will not judge you here. I want to hand out grace to you. I've just got some images I want to show you this morning. Who would feel confident with this doctor? He looks pretty doctor doesn't he? He's got the stethoscope and he's got the cabinet behind him. And I'd feel confident with that doctor. But then if we take a closer look, oh, well, maybe I wouldn't feel so confident with that doctor. I'm not sure why, but maybe it's something he's wearing on his skin. I don't know. And then the next slide, this guy here, he's he's actually amazing. This guy is called Landon Lambert. He's a successful lawyer who practice, uh, practices elder and family law while ser- serving as a county uh, attorney. And he's been considered one of the top attorneys in the United States. And so this guy, he's the business, but then if we take a closer look again, we'll see that Man, if he was walking down the road in a tat, you know, with his tats and his singlet on, I don't know if I'd really credit him to know, to to stand on my behalf. You know, it's so easy to typecast people because of their appearance and then because of their action. You know, Jesus, this woman who'd been caught in the very act of sleeping with another man's wife, she was like, she didn't just, uh, husband, sorry, it's not. These days, uh, she was caught in this act. She didn't just have tattoos on her skin. She didn't have, you know, someone said that this woman once did. She had, this had just happened moments before. And Jesus, he can't typecast her. He doesn't put her in a box and say, this is, I'm going to judge you and pop you in the corner. You're having some time out. Let's throw some stones at you. You deserve everything that you've got coming to you because of the failure that's around your life. Jesus just does not look at her in that way at all. It's so easy for us to typecast people because of their appearance. And I love that story with Nick and where he looked at that, Drunk guy. And this would have been so easy for the rest of us to walk away. And These guys didn't write him off. They walked closer. They moved towards him and says, how can I help you in your place? How can, I, how can I help you where you're at? How can I meet you where you're at? And so that's the amazing thing about the grace of Jesus Christ is that he wants to meet us no matter where we're at, whether we feel like we're falling or flying or what have you. Jesus is there. He wants to take us today. In Matthew 7, verse 1, it says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. This is He talking to the disciples now. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's intense, isn't it? Because in our culture, we are hardwired to judge people, to rate people. It starts at school and who's the cool and who's the not cool and who's going to be picked for the team, who's not going to be picked for the team. What's that Facebook status like? That's likeable, that's not likeable. That's You know, we are hardwired to put people in a box. It's a part of... The way that our culture says you can be, you're can successful because you have this kind of elevation in your life when Jesus said, you know, if you're going to be first, you're going to be last. And if you're last, you're going to be first. He has got a completely different filter in the way that He looks at our lives. And I think it's amazing because He says, do not judge. And this is, this is a place of freedom that we can all come to today. And I think this is awesome because we don't have to judge people anymore. We don't have to rate people. We don't have to say you're significant or not significant. We are totally disempowered because Jesus says don't judge. In fact, if you do judge in that way, it's going to be measured against you in the same measure that you use for others. So I want to encourage you to throw out any judgmental filters that you have on towards others or yourself today. It says in John 1 verse 17, I love this for the law was given through Moses. You know, accusation, the law of Moses says, throw the stone. What would you do, Jesus, based on the law? And then it goes on to say, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It doesn't say that grace and the law came through Jesus Christ. That that Jesus Christ, He came to this world to bring a greater revelation of what the Father's kingdom looks like. And that trumped the law, that trumped the handout piece of paper with a, you know, that trumped the, the manual of how to behave yourself. But this, that Jesus has the truth for every moment of our lives and the grace for us to step up into the fullness of his promises. That, that this new concept that it talks about in the book of James, that mercy triumphs over judgment. So this woman, she's caught in the act of sin. She's fallen into the hands of her accusers. But Jesus came and he disempowered religion, not by completely ignoring what she had done, because he says, go, I don't accuse you, but be free of your life of sin. He saw that she needed to get free of this. Like that was an entrapment for her life. He He didn't ignore that, but he spoke freedom to her. That he revealed that grace and truth will always trump judgmental condemnation, no matter how obvious the mess, no matter how many mistakes we've made in the past. You know, your Savior, he's the God of your first and second and third and fourth chance. And my gosh, I have needed them myself in life. So much so, she thought, that she had fallen from grace, but in fact she was falling into grace. So let's not be a people who disqualifies, who disqualify what Jesus wants to do by holding judgments against ourselves or against others. You know, Jesus was able to, to liberate this girl's life because he was there, her ac- the accusation left that was around her when he appeared. And for some of you guys today, you've got to let accusation leave you. You've got to let condemnation move out of the way. Because you're not going to be able to step into the freedom that God has for you personally and then to flow through you if you're still questioning whether you're worthy to be saved, whether you're worthy to talk to someone, whether you can... No, you are blameless and holy, holy and blameless in the sight of the Father because of what Christ Jesus has done for you. So today, most of you will be holding a nice little warm stone maybe in your hand that you got when you arrived this morning. And this stone is symbolic to what could have been thrown at you in your life at some stage. Maybe, maybe some stones were thrown for you at you because of what you did or what you said, and you felt religion, you felt shame, Maybe you misinterpreted what a pastor even said to you and you were just like, man, I'm never going to. Maybe you're here today and you've got that stone in your hand and you realize that you've actually thrown a few stones in your time because you were just copying judgmental attitudes that were given to you from your parents, from the religious system, and you just didn't know any better but I want to tell you that whatever, you, you know, whatever you're holding, whatever you have held to throw or whatever has been thrown at you, that, that those words have become surplus to requirement in your life because Jesus Christ, grace and truth is on the scene in your world. So this morning, what do you need to surrender to Him today? Is it self-accusation? that I could never is it condemnation I'm not good enough I'm not worthy I'm not even worthy to be loved if you knew what I did is it religion can I earn God's approval can I earn God's attention will I you know will I ever be good enough is it old words that were spoken over your life even as a child or a teenager and you were put in the box? Was it someone's, the way that someone looked at you when you walked past them and, and you've just put yourself on the shelf because someone has spoken something over you or said something to you and you're on the shelf? I want to tell you that that's something you need to lay down today. Is it self-hatred? That was something big for me. I didn't even know it was there. And then God just called me to lay it down. And I was messed up. (laughs) And I received His love and His grace for my life. Is it today, perhaps, is it prejudice? And a lot of prejudice comes our way just because of the way our families spoke about people, the way our friends speak about people. It could be prejudice against certain cultures. It could be against certain stages in life. It could be against fashions. It could be against people that your parents shamed, you know. All of that stuff is irrelevant in the eyes of grace and truth. So this morning, let's just stand together, and I just want to encourage you to make this prayer that we're going to say together your own today. Maybe you just want to pick up that stone and just hold it as we do this, and At the end, we're gonna, um, I'm going to ask you to, if you've got something to lay down to Christ today that you just want to walk away from, I'm going to ask you to bring that stone up the front, and we've got a small cross here that is waiting, just the space is waiting for you just to leave the past behind, leave the words behind, leave the opinions and the judgments behind, and walk on in life full of grace and truth. So let's just pray. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence right now. We just thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I just declare that over every life today, God. The freedom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today I renounce every judgment. Just make this your own. I renounce every judgment I have made against myself or others today. Whether it's from anger, my worldview, hurts, my interpretations or perceptions, I just release judgment from my life. Maybe you're here today and you realize that someone right now is just coming to mind and you've you've got a case against them, you're thinking about them, and it's like that person really deserves the evils from me. I just want to encourage you this morning just to release that person from your judgment. And we just bless those people right now, God, that have hurt us. And we release that entitlement to hold on to that hurt. We just thank you, Jesus, for your grace. And we bless those people today. We receive your grace this morning. We receive you, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth And this morning, I accept my commission to be a carrier of hope and light, of grace and truth at home, at school, at work, and into every sphere of influence that you're calling me into, God. I accept your commission. Use us, Lord, to show our world what love looks like. we just give you thanks this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I just specifically, just stay in this moment before we bring those things up. I just want to break fear off some people's life. If you're struggling with fear in this season right now, just raise your hand. Let me just pray for you. Holy Spirit, right now. I just give you thanks, Father, that your perfect love casts out all fear, fear of failure, fear of lack, fear of humiliation, fear of the dark, fear of being lonely. Oh, Right now, God, just wash over people here this morning with your perfect love, the love that casts out all fear, Lord. We thank you that your love brings confidence and reassurance, Lord. You're so good. Amen. All right, so the band is going to start a song soon. And just in your own time, I just want to encourage you just to bring whatever you feel like you want to let go, that you've been carrying in your life, just lay it down at the altar this morning and receive His grace.